Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kimberly. Hi, everyone. I'm Kimberly. I'm a recovering anorexic bulimic and... um, Diet pill addict. <laughs> Hi everyone. Um, welcome, Nick. I feel like I should join in on thanking, uh, welcoming Nick, and happy birthday to everyone who took a candle today. Uh, I'm a l- very nervous. I was driving over here thinking that, um, kind of scolding myself that I didn't um, prepare something and take notes, because um, it's always nerving. Um, speaking in front of a group of your peers and people that you admire. And um, this meeting, this actual meeting, was one of the first meetings that I came to. And I sat, like, second row right over there and didn't uh, didn't really, was coming in and out, was not, was very uncomfortable and was very disruptive and crying a lot and um, just didn't want to be here uh, I came in these rooms March 27th, 2011, so a little over three years of abstinence. What it looked like for me before this program, I the first time that I remember having any strange food behavior was when I was seven years old. I remember being at a birthday party and there was just so much food, and I was just so excited. I, I, I couldn't participate with all the other kids and the family members who just were normally talking to each other. I would watch them talk, and I just couldn't understand why everybody else wasn't, like, going over to where I wanted to go to. And uh, I just remember that just felt so uh, – I felt very different. I felt very separate from everyone else. I didn't feel like I belonged, and I had eaten so much that I had made myself sick. And I remember when I was in the bathroom getting sick, I was, I was about seven, and my mom said to me, uh, this is because you can't control yourself. And I just remember at that age, what does that mean? Like, why did I, like... Just didn't think, and from that moment on, it just started the obsession. I just started to be very aware of food, but I really liked it. So I didn't, I didn't know how to navigate around. I would watch my siblings. I'm the oldest of four, and I would watch my siblings all seem to have very normal um, behaviors and a normal relationship with food. And my parents had a normal. I mean, although I'm, you know, we never really know where. You know, we never know what goes on in somebody else's head, but from what it appeared, I was the only one in my family that struggled with this disease. I grew up um, in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, in a very, um, um, what appeared to look like on the outside, a very perfect Norman Rockwell house, and on the inside, it was not like that at all. It was... um, I grew up with a very violent mother 
and there were a lot of things that were happening that I kept a secret that were just inappropriate and that no child should ever have to go through. I um, was a ballerina. Um, that was my... I would go to school and I would I'd go late to school. I would go to rehearsal and um, be picked up afterward and would go back to rehearsal. And um, somewhere for me, the combination of uh, ballet and that discipline and my mother's dominating nature and the abuse that was happening at home, the food for me uh, was just this perfect segue. It just... I learned really early on that I have something that I can control that's mine and um, that uh, nobody else can tell me what to do with. So I just started developing very strange food behaviors and um, some of you guys might not relate to any of this. I I don't know. This is just my story. I'm going to be as honest as I can and um, you know, my eating disorder might not look like yours, but like you, I do have an eating disorder, and I do struggle with um, food and food behaviors. And I um, would do just do strange things that that I recognize now as strange. At the time, I thought they were very normal. Anything from rolling food up into a ball, into only eating certain colored foods, into spitting and chewing, into um, binging into taking every I started with Dexatrim and then it just it started to get way more aggressive and um, started to do uh, street label speed whatever it was it didn't matter I just knew that I just needed to control um, I needed to control my body because if I controlled my body and if I weighed the certain weight that I had in my head then um, then my life would be perfect right then everything would work out well. My mom would stop her behaviors and um, my uncles would stop their behaviors and uh, I would go on to be a prima ballerina and get really good grades in college and life would be fantastic if I could just weigh this. So I uh, struggled from seven on started really taking all the diet pills and speed and the laxatives and learned um, I, I purged um, um, but my mom is a dental hygienist so she let me know really quickly that that would be a shame to ruin your beautiful teeth so I um, found something else that I could do that wouldn't affect um, the teeth for my mom so it was a really about um, for so long trying to please this person um, really up until when I came into program three years ago I had gone in and out of treatment centers and in and out of hospitals my whole life I had been raised with um, a god um, that I feared so I um, didn't understand why I was frightened of this God and um, would watch my family go weekly to church and um, just not see any congruency at all and there was no integrity and so I just was very turned off by that and I couldn't understand if, if this God was so amazing, why were all these things happening. So the food, the thoughts, I just became obsessed and I just for year after year just isolated myself more and more and just kept um, 
I had this belief pattern that I was just eternally unique and that these things that were happening to me was I was just this victim and I was special and um, nobody else could understand my problems and everything that had ever happened to me um, was a result of the way I grew up and um, it was everybody else's fault. I had no spiritual foundation, so I... um, went to school, uh, went to college, and my um, bulimia um, was caught by the my RA at the time, and I was threatened to lose my scholarship if I didn't go to, at the time, um, what they told me was OA. And this was years ago. I did not understand. I didn't know what OA was. She explained, and, and I thought to myself, you know, I would be walking eight to ten miles daily. I restricted my food. Um, I was actively it was just using diuretics, laxatives. I was up to like 50 pills a day. Um, and I was so angry that she would suggest OA. I was like, that's not me. <laughs> Do you not see what I look like? What are you talking about? And I was so, so I learned like most addicts do. Um, to lie and to manipulate and um, I got really good at it and I told her and would forge signatures that I would attend these meetings so that I could keep my scholarship and um, thank you, thank you so much you're so, you're the best RA and just whatever it was to just um, placate her so that I could just still continue in my disease but let her know that I was um, you know, attending what what she needed me to attend to to keep my scholarship. So that was my first, um, the first seed that was planted to me of OA years prior. And then I just forgot all about it. And then I was just off to the races. And I came out here and I um, pretty early on had success in the career that I came out here for. And I had all the things externally that... Um, looked like my life was great and um, that I had um, made it out of this small town and I had become successful and it looked on the exterior. I had the car, I had the house in Hancock Park, I had the deal, I had had all of that and um, I got married and my eating disorder was more important to me than um, my marriage and my career and I um, I was with this person for seven years and five months into the marriage he left while I was um, literally in the shower I came out and he was gone and um, I just spun into this web of victimhood again it was just oh you know it's because I didn't grow up stable and I didn't have good role models and everything um, all I wanted to do was blame blame and um, I got really sick. I ended up being hospitalized and uh, for three months in a treatment center. And um, the plan at the time was not to survive. That that was my intention. Was like I will show him in one year from the day that he left. This is what's going to happen to me. I am going to die, and he's going to have to deal with it. And as each month went on, and the sicker and sicker I got, the more and more that made sense. And um, so I did. I um, my heart stopped, and um, I I went into treatment, and then I came out because I need reached the weight goal that was necessary for um, insurance. 
the problem was is I still had no spiritual foundation. I, I just ate the food, um, was no longer dehydrated. I had gained the 40 pounds, and I was off into the world. And then I met somebody else, and I moved in with this person, and um, my career started to take off again, and I um, started uh, taking the laxatives and the diet pills slowly and surely and started losing the weight. And then my dad, um, my dad drowned in um, a terrible accident, and I, um, I had no... I had, that's for me where I was so angry. I was so angry with God and people kept saying, just pray to God. And I was so angry and I didn't care uh, what, what was going to become of me. I just was, uh, so I started, my disease just took over again because I had nowhere to turn. I didn't have a strong fellow, I didn't have a fellowship, I didn't have, it was again, you know, why does all this stuff always happen to me? It was always about me. It wasn't just about, well, that's life and that's sometimes what happens and sometimes people get into accidents. I was, what is it, what did I do? This is all about me. And I, um, I, started taking and like someone had mentioned before it is a progressive disease no matter what part of addiction our disease looks like whatever it is that we're doing and for me I started picking up the diet pills and then they I wasn't losing enough so I started more and I started the the speed and and it was just so much stuff and I had um I ended up wandering the streets thinking I was in the military and I, the cops came because once I ended up home, I don't know how I got there, I ended up home, I tried, I, I uh, beat up my boyfriend at the time who was 6'4 and 250 pounds and I managed to beat him up. Don't remember any of this. The cops came and something in that moment was like, uh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like, it just knocked me into this place of uh, complete surrender. And I remember going into the bathroom and on my hands and knees, and it was like little flashes of remembering back in college when my RA had told me about OA, and I just was like, this is it. I can't, I can no longer live like this. I, I can't. I'm done. So I flushed everything down the toilet, and um, I walked into an OA meeting the next day and I went every single day at this point I also need to mention I lost everything I lost my beautiful sports car um, my fiance threw me out I was homeless um, I was living in um, a car that I had used and um, didn't really return to this person when she <laughs> came back from her trip. So I was living in the parking lot. I um, was still trying to go to meetings in my career, um, taking showers um, in public bathrooms, and uh, had a bike that someone had lent me from Kmart and I was um, biking all over the city every single day to get to a meeting 
And if I couldn't get to an OA meeting, I would get to any recovery meeting. And I would just sit sometimes at the log cabin and I would just listen. And I was uncomfortable. I'm sure I scared, I'm not sure. I know I've scared many fellows away. Um, a couple people won't even talk to me still. But um, I was a mess. And I just, that's what I had to go to. That, that's where I, that was what I had to um, experience for me. I just had to completely surrender and completely surrendering for me was relinquishing all control which was so scary because I am a control freak and I had to sur turn everything over and just ask the person please help me please help me what do I do what should I do it, what's the steps what's next what do I read it was just I just needed to absorb everything I ended up getting a um a recovery job I needed to get a job because I had no money I Somebody had, um, well, I ended up, what happened is after 20-something, 20 24 years, after 24 years of taking so many pills and being and starving for so long, and I was pushing down all these, these memories that I had. It was just my way of, you know, coping. We all have our, because I didn't. I didn't have the food problem. I had a life problem. I just didn't want to deal with life. I didn't know how to deal with life on life's terms. So for me, by controlling the food, by eating only certain magical colored foods and having them this way and having these rituals, that um, that would kind of that would soothe me and that would help with the memories. And what ended up happening for me is that four months into my recovery of not not doing any of these or struggling to not do any of these behaviors and not taking any of these things, I started to remember everything. And um, I had a nervous breakdown. I, I decided that I, I got to the place of, at this point I didn't have a sponsor. So I was kind of just, um, I wasn't working the steps. I was just showing up. And you get it when you get it. You know, recovery is such a gift. And... Um, it, I'm so grateful that I'm here. I, but the first four months, I, uh, for the newcomer, I, I do strongly urge that you do find your peeps and you find your sponsor and you latch on really quickly and you do start working those steps and you get rigorously honest really quick. I, I didn't for four months. I would show up and I decided that it was all too much, so I wanted to, um, I was on my way, on my bike, to Century City to jump off a building and I was caught by cops in the fire department. And I was taken into lockdown for two weeks. Um, so, uh, that's where I decided, I, when I leave here, I, I need to, I need to get a spot, I need to really start working this program. <laughs> and so I did. And I got a recovery job because I didn't want to be homeless anymore. I moved in with a friend who was amazing and let me live at her home for a year rent-free. I biked every day from Studio City to Culver City and back and in between would bike to meetings. I worked my butt off to save my life in this program. And I am so grateful. I love this program. I wouldn't be here without 
listening to all of you share your fears, your strengths, your hopes. It inspired me. I um, started working the steps and I um, now what it looks like today, three years into program, I have seven amazing sponsees. One of them right here in front of me. Um, I've worked all the steps. I, every single day, hit the floor with my knees, and every single night I do the same thing. I no longer look at life through the lens of victimhood. I take responsibility for my actions. When I am wrong, I promptly admit when I'm wrong. As embarrassing as that may be, I humbly go to the person, uh, look them straight in the eyes, which I never was able to do before program. I could never look anybody in the eyes. Um, it was just so uncomfortable. Like, they know everything about me. They're looking at me. They know what I'm thinking. They know that I'm thinking about food. They know that I'm thinking about how to control it. I just could never do it. Now I can look somebody in the eyes. Um, and... Uh, and I surrender. I have no idea what my life is going to look like tomorrow. I, I, I literally have no idea. For me, for me, what works best is when I just suit up and show up every single day and, and not have an agenda and not plan and not control for my disease having the willingness to take the next right action and to know that the rest of my life is none of my business. And that if sometimes that means I have to drive around my car and say that I will not mind, I will not mind, I will not mind, I will not, and I've done it like all day long, then that's what I have to do to get out of it because left to my own devices and to my own brain, this, this is not, this doesn't function very well. But what does function well is when I um, surrender surrender what I want over because usually what I find is that what always ends up happening is always better than what I possibly could have imagined in, in my brain anyway and um, my life today I am um, I'm the happiest I've ever been I'm the most humble I've ever been. Um, a few years ago, if you had told me I was going to speak in front of a lot of people, being a comedian, I would have had a shtick, and it would have been some device just to keep you at arm's length and to make sure you all like me. Um, today, I'm not so concerned about that, because what you think about me is really none of my business, and some of you may like me, and some of you may not like me, and that's okay. I'm going to be okay. Um, I'm going to be okay because I have a strong program. I have a strong faith in my higher power. I have a wonderful sponsor. I have wonderful sponsees. And I get to show up every single day and be of service. And to be of service and not to be in my own selfish thoughts is so liberating and it allows me to stay present and in this moment right now. And when I'm present, I find that I'm so much happier 
because I'm not obsessing about the past or future tripping and anticipating about what my life um, is going to be or what I think it should look like. Instead, um, I've learned that acceptance is the key to happiness. And by staying present and um, by staying right here in this moment for today, um, that brings me peace. And I think that's all I have to say. I just want to say I'm really grateful. And if anybody is struggling, I, I totally, I get it. I was a mess. Um, but it does get better. I, I promise you. I, I have to read the ninth step promises um, every single day. And I promise you, you will have a life beyond your wildest dreams. It might not look exactly what you planned it to look like, but your life will be amazing. Um, thank you. Um, great question. I was just asked what my relationship with exercise and dance is now. Um, I didn't mention that I, I did struggle with exercise bulimia. Um, and I, I still dance, And uh, but for me, I have to be rigorously honest and I have to check myself. And if I start to say, and it's really tricky because... As you get more recovery, you think, oh, I have all this recovery. I can, I can sleep this, and no one will know. But I have to say to myself, are you doing this to lose weight, or are you doing this because this is part of your, your craft and, and your job, and, and it, it makes you feel good? And um, I, I trust myself enough to make those decisions, and if I don't, I will call somebody and say, hey, just want to let you know, I, I did this, and I just want to I want to check in about this, just so that I don't, because, we, you know, we all heard we're only as sick as our secrets. If I keep that a secret, then it becomes obsessive, and then I go, ooh, I just got away with that. What else can I get away with? And I can't do that. So I, I, um, I, I have to ask myself those questions. Um, I was just asked uh, the question coming from a fear-based God and uh, a God that I now surrender to. How did that, what was that evolution? How did that look like? That, uh, at first I, w- I came in, I had lost my, my dad and I had lost my dog of 13 years. And I didn't understand God. I would talk, listen to people talk about God and higher power and it would make me so angry because I would see them so happy and talk about all oh, these miracles are happening. I'd be like, really? Because that's not happening to me at all. Like, this sucks. And um, so I would have to just think of my father and then my dog. This is just what I did for myself. This is, like, I, whatever works. And I just would imagine that love. And I think it was just ultimate love. And I would just think about that. And then that just started to shift. You know, I didn't lock into that this is what it is. I just would lock into my father and my dog and, and talk to them just until it just felt right in my body and it felt right talking to something. And then it just it just started to just organically evolve into what it is for me, which is just ultimate, um, you know, I mean, that's personal, whatever it is to everybody. But for me, it's, it's, it's love and, and, and complete trust and complete something that I, I rely on that I completely surrender to. I, uh, when I was living in a car and parking lots and riding my bike, did I attempt to have a food plan? 
I, for me, what what it looked like was I, I had been anorexic for so long and I had been taking so many uh, things to control that. For me, my food plan at, at that point was uh, none of those behaviors, not, not taking anything and allowing myself to have foods that I used to be frightened of that I would control and not not have, I allow myself to have um, those things and just get over the fear of them and um, until I just didn't want them anymore. That's, my, so. um, that's all my time. Thank you so much.